lot. That's true. Because right? you can just cut whenever that you start. Yeah. Doesn't Chapo do that all the time where they just like fucking leave it on and have like the weird conversation that they'll put in before they get you hear like that? Well, yeah, no, a few, a few people do that. Um, um, Hassan does a podcast with, with another guy. I remember the dude's name. But they do the exact same thing. And then they just start their theme song like at a random time. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Oh, well. So, Who gets And I kind of like that because, like, then you can just start chatting and do whatever the fuck you want, say whatever you want. Sometimes you'll catch some cool shit. Honestly, at, at, like, the risk of, you know, like, um, reviewing some of this before, like, I get into it, I, I do kind of want to give you some, like, random stuff I learned about John Montgomery Ward uh, okay. in the meantime. All right. All right. So, as of 1995, uh, when the book was, uh, when this book was written on him, uh, 15,000 people uh, have ever played uh, professional major baseball. So 15 people have played... 15,000 people... 15,000 people have played professional baseball. Yes. Okay. Yeah. okay. Um, yeah. Of those 15,000 people, John Montgomery Ward, if we're using, like, advanced stats... Now, these are the advanced stats they had then. They weren't using Ward, but they're using a lot of stuff we use, still use now, like Pro Plus, SBR, OOB, PD, uh, batting runs, stuff like that. Okay. Like, like advanced stats we're using now. Um, but... Um, they saw, uh, this book called Total Baseball, which is basically like baseball reference before baseball reference was a thing. Okay. Um, they had it as John Montgomery Ward was the 435th best position player of all time, 163rd best pitcher, and that makes him the 228th best player of all time, which doesn't seem high, but there's like a couple hundred players in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. So they had... Batted runs, runs. So these are these are these stats they put together. These are the advanced stats they put together in the eighties and nineties that they use to kind of get yeah. this kind of list together. Yeah. Uh, the list they OEPs, use. Right. Yeah. I think, that, honestly, when I was looking through the list, I think this guy who was writing this book in nineteen ninety five was trying to explain war to us, because it, without, without saying war, because it really wasn't a concept. But he's using like a lot of the stats they put into war. I think. Yeah, but what? How? How advanced do they get? Like, is the OBP, like, the most advanced they probably get to that at that point? Before then, yeah, but now they're using, like, Pro Plus and SBR, which are much more advanced stats in 95. In 95? Now, and now as well. Like, it is an advanced stat now. Pro Plus. Yeah. What's the, I, yeah. I don't even know what Pro Plus is. Honestly, like, I have a trouble understanding. I am and not SBI. a math guy whatsoever. And SBI. SBR. SBR. Yeah, they, these are like weird advanced stats that came up in the '90s when they're it's like the beginning of advanced uh, statistics. Okay, but they don't use any of them anymore. It's just cause like, I think I, I, I think some baseball nerds you know, still use. They them. probably have them on Baseball Reference, but um, what I what we know obviously is WAR, FIP, um, all the X stat like the expected stats. Yeah, I, you know what? We'll we'll get that into that in a second because today is Sunday, May fifteenth, two thousand twenty-two, and it is the day after the uh, Leafs have uh, lost again. Game seven. Yeah. Honestly, it was a good game, though. I'm not gonna lie. And I, I I'm not gonna call it a good game. Any, I'm 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 no, I'm, like, I'm sad and pissed. They I'm, played. They played. They didn't play poorly. 
I mean, the the issue. Well, Sheldon, the power play. Well, the power okay. play sucks. Also, power play sucks. Sixteen shots over two periods kind of sucks. That's yeah, bad. But you know, it was a very tight game. Like, like the, it's game. That's game sevens though. Like the Leafs were playing way too fucking cute. It's game sevens though. I know. Right? Like it's God. gonna be. It's very tight. There's gonna be low shots in general, but um, they had they had opportunities. They had opportunities, and I think I saw stats somewhere. It's like eleven percent. On the power play, it's probably like ten point something on the power play over the last three seasons, and we're talking like over like playoffs over the last three years, uh, and we're talking a team that had one of the best power plays in the. In the obviously, league. when it comes to hockey stats, I just don't give a shit anymore. I'm at the point where it's like you should have fucking won. You really yeah. should have fucking won. This is this is year fucking how many of the Shannon plan? Yeah, but you gotta like, figure out why you didn't win. Right, and obviously there's issues. Like there was obviously no adjustments. Your depth wasn't there. No, I'm like, I, I you know I I'm tired of being like like the um like the good Leafs fan where I'm like okay well we gotta look at what happened and the stats and where can we improve and let's not tear it down and all that kind of stuff. I'm like fucking no, fuck these guys. They they're making ten million dollars a year and they can't put the fucking effort in. Like how like how many times do you see them like give up on some icings that they should have gotten uh, during this? Like there's especially in games when they when, uh, especially in games when they were either tied in the series or up in the series. Yeah. Like the Leafs just play fucking lazy. A lot of guys are invisible. I I didn't think Tavares had that good of a as a, of a series. Like that one goal he scored, they got called back. What what do you think about that? The, the it was interference, but like I saw a lot of people look, saying it wasn't interference. It's in, no, it, it was interference, but interference rules in hockey are fucking dumb sometimes. It was a I I saw a pick. Like, Hall laid a pick. Yeah, that was a pick. Now, like... <laughs> and it was a moving pick. So yeah. Not even a legal pick in basketball. No, it wouldn't. But there are... But there is just, like... Ah, uh, like, okay, like, uh, a guy we went to high school with uh, uh, who plays in the CFL, uh, Nate uh, put it uh, best. I want to... Uh, he, uh, he had a tweet about, like, how... Um, uh, basically how the... Like, why can... Like, why can you pull this kind of shit in hockey, essentially? What was it? I'm sorry. Let me. Uh, let me no, just... no. Take your time, man. You can, yeah. You can always cut. <laughs> no, nah, everyone, we're not cutting this right now. You're going to deal with this dead air right now. Dead air's our specialty. Yeah. Yeah. Why doesn't the NHL have a restricted area like basketball where you uh, you can't just post up and block shots within? Like, how is it not a massive flaw that Tampa has as many block shots as the Leafs have shots? Is it? Is this not wildly stupid to anyone else? Am I missing something? You think that's dumb? No, if guys want to like sacrifice their body and land from a shot, they should be able to, no matter where it is. And plus, how do you enforce that? Tell me. Like that's such a hard rule to that enforce. That in hockey it would be. It'd be incredibly challenging to enforce. Incredibly, unless like it's incredibly subjective. You know what? And then what is it like? Both, I think both feet over the line. Like this is should, it like offside? You know, maybe this should be over. Maybe this will just confine hockey to its rightful place as a uh, sport it's, for only upper class people no, in Canada, it's, and it's, and we'll move on to more proletarian sports like it's, basketball. It's no, it's playoffs. It's playoff hockey and. Guys can block shots if they want. They should be able to block it over the ice. The fact of the matter is, like, there was a team out there that had the depth and had the experience to make it pass, and it wasn't the Leafs. Like, I saw, like, the Leafs paid their th- their third line, like, I think probably three, four million dollars in total more than mm-hmm. Tampa's, who's a cheap line. Like, Hagel's mm-hmm. a really good hockey player. They they gave up a lot for him, but he's not. It does not on a very expensive contract. Like, they're using their budget as well as they can, and. And the ball against the cap, right? And and uh, the least third line had like one goal, 
all series. Yeah. I think it was. I saw it. And what the the Tampa line had four more goals in total. Four yeah. more goals from your third line mm-hmm. than than. Yeah, and, and, and they're and, and they're, 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 mu- and, and they're a much more experienced playoff crew as well. Yeah, and they held in there, and there's a better like at the end of the day, they had the better goalie too, in Vazzy. Yeah, yeah, right? and Vazzy came through when he needed to. Like he had rough games there. The Leafs light him up, but the Leafs are going to light up any team in a playoff series at one point or another, right? With their offense, so uh, we should just break up hockey, the NHL as an illegal organization, kind of like kind of like how they break up communist parties in in uh, Eastern Bloc countries nowadays, saying like they're illegal organizations. Okay, but this is this is coming from a Leafs fan. You're just tired of the heartbreak. I am tired of the you heartbreak. Are, that's six six straight first round exits. Yeah, if we can't have it, six, then like we straight. if we can't have it, let's just blow up the fucking league at this five, point. Five what five straight um, first round playoff exits where they lose in the elimination game in, yeah. like, in a in a winner takes all elimination game. Yeah, it's really That's painful. Absolutely insane. I I was watching and I could not believe it with my own eyes. Like, I was like, they have to score. And yeah. when they tied it, when they tied it one one, I I honestly thought then and there. Yeah. And this was a guy coming and in doubting that they had a chance in game seven. And we this. can't. I went, I, I went Leafs in six. As mm-hmm. a Habs fan, in my playoff bracket, I went Leafs in six. You want to know why I went Leafs in six? I knew it was going to be a tight series. Mm-hmm. It was probably going to go to game seven. The reason I went Leafs in six was like, I just couldn't get in my head that the Leafs, the Leafs were just going to win. They were going to finally win a playoff series. Tampa was coming off back-to-back. They might have lost a bit of their desire to go. But if that was clearly not true. Tampa clearly wanted it mm-hmm. by the end of it. And I just, but I, the thing is, I could not, I could not see Leafs in seven. No, they can't, they can't do because, it. Because because I in my head I thought if it goes to game seven, well, even thing. if that's in Toronto, the the Toronto's gonna find a way to fuck it up it, in game seven. It at was home. the same shit as last year. Like, well, I went Leafs in as, six. As a Habs fan last year, it was the same shit as last year. Like you know what? Like I think the Leafs, if they wanted to close out last year, were going to close out in the sixth game. And, it, and if it wasn't, it's was dead. That's, and, you know, I agree. And, and I think I said the same thing last and year. And to too. take it even further than this, like you know, maybe this is a Leafs thing further than like even the Shanna plan at this point. Like the Leafs couldn't close out in game sevens in like the Sundin era. Or the Gilmore era either. Like that was the problem. Like, like everyone always forgets that about like the whole like the Gretzky high sk- sticking in '93 with um uh that was not Game Seven. That was Game Six. It was just Kelly like every- Frazier. I actually read up on this. Yeah, like, just, yeah, just exactly. Uh, Kelly Frazier with his stupid helmetless <laughs> fucking. Ripper. I saw people compare the Hall interference to that call. No, and that's that not. Was, no, that's not I the same. I fuck laughed, off, dude. <laughs> I thought it was the craziest thing I've ever heard. Those Leafs fans can fuck off. That's not the, the same. Thing I've ever heard. Kelly Frazier was a blatant like that the miss call yeah i, I went lisa six because I, th- I knew they couldn't take it in game seven yeah and then game seven came you know what nick paul scored that first goal and i went oh no mm-hmm. and then they, they they had a pretty good second and period then nick paul scored the and fucking then, and why did nick scored. paul the fucking one scoring when they tied that game i seriously thought i seriously thought that moment they're gonna win this they're gonna win and then three what was it less than three minutes later they, they found a way to let nick paul score again his yeah. second ever playoff goal his second ever playoff goal? That's crazy. Yeah, I know, I know. And then, um, you know what? I'm actually done with the Leafs. You know, what articles do you got right now? I can't talk anymore Leafs for, until, like, like not even until, like, not even, like, hockey season started. I, I don't want to talk about the Leafs until, like, the next NFL season, season ends. Like, next Super Bowl. So next February. We got, I'm not going to talk about the Leafs again. You're not gonna talk about it until next February. Like I'll talk hockey, but I'm not gonna talk about the Leafs until next February. Fuck do this. you? Who do you have any idea what's going on in the draft this year? Yeah, Habs fans super pumped for the number one overall I can, pick. I can imagine you are. Uh, I just don't really care enough. It, it could be. It could be that I'm not as happy because it's not next year. And obviously next year you're getting probably a generational talent. Yeah. Because there's more than one. Like Bedard looks unbelievable. I hear I'm hearing great things about this Mikov kid, the Russian that mm-hmm. the, that was also in the World Juniors. I'm pumped to see the World Juniors. They're playing. Are they playing in the summer? This summer. 
They're playing this summer. Wait, to make up for like the cancel? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, not just that. I not just that because normally the World Juniors too is played during the NHL season. Yeah, yeah. And teams have to teams are hesitant sometimes to let their young guys go because there's still 18 year olds that are eligible to play in the World Juniors. Mm-hmm. 19, I think 19 year olds can even. But play. this year, like everyone's going. Um, well, it's the summer, so I'm assuming teams are going to be way more way more lenient in letting their players go play in the World Juniors. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to have way more talent this year in the World Juniors. And it's going to be crazy to see Bedard's going to be you know six months older than he was last year. Mikhov, that kid, we're going to see him play. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I hope the... Uh, I hope the guys that got drafted this season are playing too. Like this just recent, or the guys that are going to get drafted, I'm sure they're playing because it's just before the draft. So you're, we're going to be able to see Shane Wright, Cooley. Um, there's this unbelievable uh, power winger that's uh, also so it also looks. Being uh, that's that's shitty. I, I was like, where are they? Because it's usually like because the World Juniors. So. Um, we have like zero listeners right now, but we have future listeners who are listening to this in the future who aren't from Canada. Let's explain what the World Juniors are. The World Juniors are the most important like hockey tournament to Canadians. Not like <laughs> I love not them. like the world like men's championships. Like the junior stuff every year. The ones for under eighteens. It's a huge deal. I I have a whole conspiracy theory that TSN just does it or has done it for years just so they can, you know, uh, have something to fill in over the holidays. But, because um, it's always, it starts on uh, Boxing Day on December 26th here. Uh, but because it's so popular in Canada, the uh, IIHF, uh, the World, uh, the International uh, Ice Hockey Federation, they uh, do it where one year is hosted, like, either by in Europe or sometimes America, and then the next year Canada hosts. So Canada gets to host, like, 50% of the tournaments. Uh, mostly because they, they're the only nation that gives a shit about it. Um, I, it's an exciting tournament. I really love it's it. It's fun. Like, it's fun. I, I do find it funny, though, explaining it to, like, non-Canadians because uh, they're deeply confused by it sometimes. Oh, come on, man. It's good. You get you get the best young talent in the world. Like, a lot know, of these kids are 18 and 19. I know. We can sell very, it to ourselves very and everything. Developed, but it's not and like, they're very good hockey players. Yeah, but it's like, okay, like, we in, just Italy, so in Italy, they, 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 they like the World Cup and everything, but they're not going nuts over, like, the under-18s every year. Yeah, that's true. It's not, like, in soccer, it's not really I don't like know, man. Thing. Yeah, and it's funny. We, you, it's funny that you mentioned that half of the time it's it's in Canada or northern U.S. Yeah. We're the only areas that actually truly yeah, like, like, care like that Yeah, like, Finland much. cares. Yeah, well, they're and they're so good. Yeah, does Sweden care? A bit. Yeah, I would it, assume. Like, like they care, they, but it's like, but they care more about like the men's championship. Yeah. Like the, I, uh, but that, but we don't give as much as shit because all of, usually like half the best Canadian players are in the Stanley Cup playoffs because the men's championships will be happening like right around now, or they would be start. They'd be starting like a week or two. Yeah, you're right. Because yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's a good explanation of why um, I. Canada, for some reason, doesn't care about that. We only care when there's a best-on-best tournament, uh, which is sometimes the Olympics, but not this Olympics. Because it's the only time we get to flex our muscle in international sports. Yeah, hockey. we're going to be... Best the best hockey. We're going to be flexing our muscles. uh, Soccer, baby. Yeah. 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 Fuck yeah. (laughs) Mexico and USA suck at continental rivals. Um, All right, so... I'm not a big soccer fan. This is going to get me so much more into soccer. You should get into soccer. It's fun. I just wanted to personally say before we got into that tangent about World Juniors, I'm super excited to watch them not only see this young 2023 20, draft class talents mm-hmm. that I would rather have a first round pick for, but you know, it's the world we live in. First round picks are good no matter what, or first overall picks are good no matter what. Um, but I, I'm excited to see the, the kids that are coming up for the draft, like the Shane Wright, Cooley. Mm-hmm. Um, the other kid's name I was blanking on earlier is Slavkovsky. He's, uh, he plays in Liga this year, so he's playing in a men's league. 
and then Nemich is probably the best mm-hmm. defenseman. And I'm wondering what the Habs are going to go for. Are they going to mm-hmm. go for the best player they think, or are they going to try to go to positional need? And I'm hoping best player available. Yeah. Be, which be, a lot of people are seeing Shane Wright. But I don't know. Like, his points were that good this season. People were so hype on him coming in. And he was – he got that um, – what's it called? He got eligibility to play at 15 mm-hmm. in the uh, OHL. Hey, this is a question because I don't follow hockey as closely as you do. I, like, just, I follow the Leafs, and that's pretty much it. Um, okay. And, like, what's going on with their rivals. Uh, what the fuck happened to Alexis Lafreniere? Um, he just doesn't look like he's adjusting to the NHL that well this quickly. Like, he's on a loaded offensive team. Yeah. But he should be able to, at, at that pace, like, you've been, given, you've been given odds. You've been given chances on the top two lines. He has. Like, yeah, he's been given plenty of top six chances. he's a center, chances. right? Um, no, I think he's a winger. He's okay. a winger, dude. Um, he's been given lots of chances with good hockey players, and I don't know. He hasn't really adjusted to the NHL yet. He's still super young. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of these kids sometimes takes a little bit to develop. Like, Nico Hischer is just starting to come out of his shell, mm-hmm. right? He was never expected to be a stud coming out of the, like, out of the, uh, the minors, like mm-hmm. uh, fucking Lafreniere. Yeah, no, Lafreniere was supposed to be the next great one. He was super one. hyped yeah. up. Um, yeah, now everybody's turning to Bedard. I don't know. I think Lafreniere might have been a little overhyped. Fair enough. Because it, it we, was, we, it was we're pretty... always, every year they're looking for generational talent. Yeah. Every year somebody's trying to pin a generational talent. And sometimes it's just not true. Yeah. It just doesn't exist some years. There's, I, I just read an article about this. And generational talent. And like the one thing it's that like just stuck out to me. years, right? Gen, in, if that. Yeah. And everybody expects the generational talent to be in every draft class. You expect like the first overall pick. There was pick, two in a row. They try to push I, it. I would argue there was two in a row. Okay. Uh, there was McDavid, then Matthews. I'd say that's two uh, once-in-a-generation talents, like one after the other. That's a great argument. Yeah. And the both teams that got those players were very lucky. We, we were very <laughs> and, lucky. And then uh, maybe this is just like your flip karma, the reason you can't win in Game 7. It's, it's just it, flip karma. It's like the only first... Okay, you The also, hockey guys were like, we let that ball drop on you, and now you're never going to win a Game are, 7 again. Yeah, do you want the, the curse. Do you want the, the curse last on the time curse. Toronto got a first-round first pick was? Um, was it Sundin? No, something wasn't the something first round pick. Something wasn't the first round pick. Okay, you're no, going to have to tell me. It, it was like Daryl Sittler. Yeah, it's long. The yeah. Habs have been a really long time, too. That's true. The Habs have been an extremely long time. But, you actually, but here's the difference. You on. actually win. So, like, there's, like, not a lot of chances for you to, like, you know. Yeah, yeah but them. I haven't won since 93. I have not seen. Yeah, but you make the playoffs. You go to Eastern Conference Finals. You've been in Stanley Cup Finals since then. Uh, yeah. Well, last year, but I mean, we probably had no business to be there, but they got really hot, and Carey Price came back and decided to and you had run em- the show. That despite East, being that Eastern hurt. Conference Finals, where you lost to like the Bruins and the Rangers, you had every business being there and being in the Stanley Cup Final, even though you oh lost like Game gosh. Seven. Like, those we, are those are really good. I think Habs it was teams. the 2015 Eastern Conference Final team when Kreider took out Carey Price's knee. Mm-hmm. The Habs were going to win the Stanley Cup that year with Carey Price in net. He was an absolute beast that year. Absolute god. Who won twenty fifteen again? Was it like Chicago? I don't know. I blanked. I, I just let it go after that. But anyway, <laughs> I bet it was Chicago. Because I mean, we got taken on the Eastern Cross Finals to New York. Yeah. I wasn't paying as much attention. I couldn't remember who's in the West, but I, I think that's around. The no, Chicago I think the, I think the West. No, Chicago, I think Boston, the Kings. Right? No. I think it's no. I think the Kings won in. The, no, I think that was earlier. I think the Kings won in like twenty eleven. Yeah. I think it was that weird year where they beat the Devils and they were an underdog. Or like, no, 20... We need an old buddy of ours uh, from high school to come in just to uh, fact check us on all this stuff. Like, we need Quinn Murphy in here because he, he kept, like, an encyclopedic knowledge of that okay, stuff. Okay, the last Habs draft, first overall draft pick was 1980. Oof. Doug Wickenheiser. And I'm pretty sure... Okay, that 70, was that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good first-round first pick. As you, I'm, I'm just seeing as you scroll down oh, there. Oh, Guy Lafleur yeah, was 1971. Yeah, that was also the, that was, um, the year before that we got Sittler. Okay, but you have to, so the next... So you got one first-round first pick in between the relative times. Okay. Yeah. Um, so 1980 was the last time the Montreal's had a first-round pick. 
they drafted Doug Wickenheiser, who I don't even remember. I don't know anything about. You He's know, a good you know player. who they passed up? But He's you know who player. they passed up? Dennis Savard. That's pretty. Bad yeah. Stuff. yeah, I mean that they, yeah. people. It's, hey, it's a hey Wickenheiser, I'm pretty day, sure was a part of like your eighty of uh, that mid eighties like team that won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, <sighs> but you know it would have been better with Dennis Savard. That's true. All right. Uh, off hockey, do you have uh, do you have that baseball article we were talking about from last week? Which one was it? The the one we missed because we had three. Okay, it was. Um, I was gonna ch- we were gonna chat about the ball, I believe. Yes. And you don't give a fuck about the ball. Well, I just don't know enough about it. If I'm being perfectly honest, like okay, here's what I understand about it. I understand that there is a whole issue about like the ball being wet or dry, and they can keep it in a humidor uh, or, or not, and how much pop it gets from that. And they recently, uh, before only Colorado had the right to use a humidor, but now every team has the right, but only like four teams exercise that right to use humidors. No, I think every team has used a humidor, and it has to be brought to an exact. Really? Because I was I was spot. reading it up and saying like only Boston, like only Boston, Colorado, and two other teams are using humidors at the moment. At the very moment, or at the very before. I'm not too sure, but that was just like something. I, mind you, if I'm being honest, that was a Wikipedia article, so it's probably not as uh, up to date. But there, it was like a, it was part of. I was literally reading the other day when um, the Wikipedia article for baseball, not the sport, but the actual like ball, and okay. the manufacturing process and how it's gone and its history and that kind of stuff. And they were saying uh, something like only a couple teams uh, actually utilize them. We need to, I, need to, I need to dig into this. Because what I've heard is every ballpark has used it to bring it to a certain humidity. Okay. But what this does, if what, I've, what I've heard, this does, is because there's obviously different humidity levels in every ballpark, mm-hmm. the ball acts differently yeah. at the same humidity and different humidities. It's going to act very differently. Is there a possibility that pictures are just massive babies? Like, well, like, 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 I mean, that's like, where this is all coming from. Like, people are saying they're getting... And a lot of pictures are complaining about it. Well, they're complaining... That different balls have different seams raised. Wait. No, the seams are raised somewhat more on different yeah. balls than other okay. balls. They're silkier, stickier balls. Like, they're, they're complaining mm-hmm. that there's a lot of inconsistencies. Okay. And guys that, like, Manoa was talking about mm-hmm. for the Jays. Yeah. Because he's a guy that depends on his slider a lot. Yeah. And if he's getting different seams... On different fa- on different baseballs, that's a that's a big issue for a guy like that who's trying on, to cash in. On one hand, it is like, and I get that the seams are different, right? like especially like especially between like I know like a major league seams are much more subdued compared to like college or little league seams. Like the seams are, are raised on um, uh, in in minor leagues, but uh, or not minor leagues, but younger leagues. But um, I am wondering, like, okay, so remember how they were saying the ball was juiced in like twenty eighteen, but they can or, or twenty seventeen, but they can never actually definitively prove that the ball was juiced. And now they're saying the ball is dead. Yeah, and then on top of but on top of that, like they're saying that, but like I but we don't have any large statistics showing that the ball is dead or and we had the ball juiced and we saw like home run figures going up with that. That was part of a general trend of the home run figures being going up over the last little while. I might like my but but on the other hand, the spider tack, when we had that controversy like a year or two ago and that was on the pictures, that we did have like a lot of stats for. Like that was really clear what was going on. When that yeah, was happening. and there's a long history so, of, so of, my, of pitchers marking up baseball. So my point, my point here is that pitchers might just be big babies. <laughs> yeah, you know what? And it's a lot of them that are bringing it to light. Like people, so Chris Bass was complaining. They said, basically saying like that movie is a massive problem for the baseballs. Mm-hmm. And a few pitchers are backing it up. But there's other pitchers out there that are saying like, 
it's, it's not it's an fine. issue. Yeah. It's fine. Like, wasn't and, Verlander saying it was fine? Uh, I don't know if Verlander was saying it. Uh, Mind you, I'll attribute every baseball coach to Justin Verlander if I can. <laughs> uh, Kyle Gibson likes said he likes the new balls. Miles Mikolas said it's not the baseball's fault. Take responsibility for your actions. Yeah. Like, there's a lot. Uh, I think what happened is the Mets lead the league in getting hit by pitches. And Bassett happens to be a pitcher for the Mets. Yeah. So, he, like, they're a little bit biased in that saying. And, when like, I saw something um, that was basically saying, like, being hit by pitches is generally increasing. But I don't know if that's a trend of the baseballs or just the general trend that we're all seeing. Yeah. Is pitchers are going, pitchers are throwing harder than ever, and they're throwing higher than ever. With a little... And they love going inside. Mm-hmm. High and inside is a great pitch when you throw a 101 mile per hour fastball. But you know what is easy to get hit by? A high and a high inside, high and 101 mile per hour fastball. Uh, getting, hey, like, getting hit by a pitch is like far, like, okay, so cricket usually is like, crick, I always feel cricket has like, it's a lot more like sportsmanlike because they have all these like, I don't know how to describe it. Just, like, rules, but unwritten rules around the game and whatnot. But, like, the one thing that uh, baseball players will, uh, like, will throw a hissy fit over that a cricket player won't is getting hit by a pitch. Because a cricket player knows that's part of the game. Getting hit by it is. You know what? And a lot of baseball players don't complain about it. That's true. And you know what? To be fair, like, you're, like a lot of baseball players and don't complain. They take it. It's a free base. Because the picture. They take it. Sometimes they, it's, yeah. it helps a lot. And in cricket, you so. don't get a free base. In fact, it's like, uh, if, you, if, you, if you get hit in cricket. Yeah. It's like, um, like, well, you should have got it away. In fact, you could get, if you stand in the way of the stumps and you get hit by the ball, they'll call you out. The batter will go out if you get hit by it and you crowd in the plate too Yeah, much. because you're in front of it. But if you do that in baseball, it's out. Yeah, you're that's out, true. You're, you're, like, if you, you stood, like, too. right over home plate. Yeah. yeah. But if you're, like, high, if it's a high and inside fastball, if you're, so, it, just to go back, like, pitchers are generally throwing high and inside. Yeah. Of course, batters are going to get hit more. Especially batters that are trying to crowd the plate because they want to take away the outside pitch. Mm-hmm. Like some batters are way more prone to get hit than others. And guess what? The Mets are a, pr- a pretty good hitting team. They have a lot of potential in that lineup. It's, I'm not surprised that they get challenged up and in a lot. I'm not going to look it up right now, but I would be curious in the future how much Juan Soto gets hit because there's a guy who really like knows how to play the plate and like crowd around it and whatnot. I don't know, man. We'll we'll look into it, but I don't think he actually gets hit that much. I don't think I've never heard that in general that it's a thing that Juan Soto gets hit a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll look. But I, it, see, I just see I, here I that see they're him, using the. Like he's, I always feel he crowds the plate like not in a like aggressive way, but like in, so, in a really good way uh, as a player. But he does everything so good. I I love Juan Soto. Juan Soto, write me a letter if you can, please. <laughs> I don't think please he's going to hear this. Well, if you do. Hear this one day please write me a letter i don't care when it comes it could be like 50 years from now i'd like a letter from you just just like expressing like i don't know how your day was what's what's going on in your life hit by pitches the most he's ever had was when 2019 he was hit by pitch three times that doesn't seem that's not the high at all high, no. so but i don't I, think i don't think he stands that close to the plate to be honest with his, with his stance so talking about hit by pitches you know, you know, I'm, no i'm confusing with him this okay no he ha- he's good at making a small batter's box Okay, yeah, because he's, he, he gets really low. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm confusing him for. He also, Sorry, he's everyone. A, he's a line drive machine, which he is great, which is great. Um, talking about hit by pitches, did you see the Garcia ejection for the Jays? Last night? Yeah. No, I was watching y- the Yemi, hockey game. Sorry. Yemi Garcia got ejected. He hit. It was the first hit by pitch of the game. No, and I, he got, I, yeah, and he got I, thrown I not, out of the game. I, I missed the beginning of the Jays and Leafs game last night. He got thrown out of the game. They said because our catcher, he's like our third trainer, I forget the name. But our catcher was beefing with uh, Donaldson. Like they were exchanging words at the plate, right? So the ump can clearly hear yeah. behind. And then when Garcia hit Donaldson with a fastball, it didn't really look intentional at all. 
But I think because of what was happening behind the plate, mm-hmm. they just assumed yeah, that then, it was and they yeah. threw him out. I think it's silly. It is very silly. Um, Super I, silly. You know what? I'm sorry. They're like they're like principals in 2005 when they took like zero tolerance approaches to bullying. <laughs> zero tolerance on the plate. Yeah, just just say no to drugs. Just, just say no. Oh, uh, no to batted balls. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, so I just saw, um, they, it is every ballpark. It is every ballpark. Yeah, has they implemented okay. that every ballpark has to have the humidor. Or has to use the humidor. They implemented that this year. So, what that means is in a drier park, baseballs become more humid and they will be heavier. Yeah. They won't go as far. So, like in, in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, Colorado, Arizona as well. All the yeah. California teams, uh, in Texas. Human, in human parks, however, a humidor will dry out the baseballs and make them lighter. Okay, so, so in, in Tampa, Tampa, Miami, Atlanta, Washington, yeah, the balls, Cincinnati. the balls should actually travel further. Yeah, so we'll probably see more home runs in the AL East. Hey, well, do do we need more home runs in the AL East? We always need home runs. No, the AL more home runs always. The I'll AL East is no. like not only is it one of the hardest divisions, and I, I, okay, this is why Pedro Martinez is still like the greatest pitcher of the last 30 years probably uh just because like not only was he the best pitcher on earth during his height but he also pitched in the al east like where you have fenway which is a is a hitter's park yankees a hitter's park the jays is a hitter's park and so is tampa and tampa's not really a big hitter's park it's small like, it's only 400 feet to center field. Plus, you got those like rings where it's like cool bonus hits if you get uh, if you if you hit yeah, those rings double. at the top. Yeah. yeah, if you hit a yeah. Big high enough pop line, <laughs> yeah, you get a exactly. Double. Yeah. Um, and then um, I don't know. I think they'll call you out still if there's a clear. Pardon? I think you can hit a foul ball. I think they've made weird calls. There. Yeah, no, they have made weird calls there. But if you Those hit like some like one ring is like counts for a double, one's a triple, and one's a home run, depending on how you hit it and where you hit it. It's very weird. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I, yeah, God, I love baseball parks for that. Yeah. But okay, like, to bring that, you know what I also heard today? People go put so I've heard issues with dimensions in ballparks. How like of course the New York Yankees hit more home runs. Well, yeah, because they have the short right field porch. They, 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 they the built that park for Babe Ruth. I've heard complaints about that. Like there are people that don't like that. I think it's fine because like, like you have to. Both teams are playing in the same ballpark. That's just baseball, right? Both teams are playing in the same ballpark. Yeah. Like yes, the Yankees at the end of the year might have more home run totals for an individual player, but that doesn't matter for win loss. That's just yeah. personal stats. Who yeah, they got they got to go out cares? there and play. Yeah, so both teams have to play in the same ballpark. Yeah. So who cares if the Yankees get more cheapies at their home stadium? Because when you're playing at their stadium, you're probably going to get some cheapies too. Mm-hmm. So like, but I can't believe I've I've heard that because I've never thought about that before. I oh, always yeah. liked it. I thought it was super unique and cool. Because what other is there? Are there any other sports where you see different dimensions? There's yeah, no standard yeah, there dimensions. are some. Yeah, like uh, no North American sports um, like soccer, basketball, hockey, all standard. So- soccer's not standard. Soccer's not standard. No, soccer can vary a little bit. But how much? Like there are minimums like, and maximums, but like no more like minimum and maximum. Well, I think would be for, baseball. exactly. So no more than that. Like there are there there are pitches in like European soccer where everyone talks about like it being like way narrower. Like for okay. example, like in, at, at in, Anfield where in Liverpool, MLS in MLS is there. Uh, I think there is some variation because some MLS teams play on like football, in like football stadiums. So there is some a little bit of variation in MLS as well. Yeah. So soccer pitches aren't like exact either. Um, basketball courts vary in two standards, and same with hockey. And the American football field is standard. Yeah, but the, the hockey rinks don't vary in the NHL. They vary, like, international ice and standard. Like NHL. Yeah, exactly. There's two different standards. But, same but, the, same but, thing with basketball. But in a league or a tournament, you won't see different... You won't see a different ice, like, type of ice surface. 
We've seen it in the Olympics. No, because it's played. No. I thought I thought we've seen it in the Olympics no, where like they play I, North America, they get Canada U.S. ranks, which are NHL size. Sometimes I thought they built like Standard. an Olympic size rink for like Vancouver or Calgary or, or Salt Lake City. Like I, I think they definitely built an Olympic size rink for Salt Lake City. So I think yeah, you can vary it up for during the Olympics. Interesting. But then again, like someone called me out on this, uh, like but yeah, I think that there there is a possibility of that. But um, yeah, cricket varies the size of the fields. Aussie rules football varies the size of the fields as well. Um, and part of it comes down to I think like the only one that's really like standard standard is like American and Canadian football, and that's because they keep it standardized because like down because down and distance matters so much in those sports. It's a fundamental part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, uh, if people are if people are complaining about like there being a, 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 a the field being smaller, we have like advanced stats for this now. We have like there's there like an advanced stat where it'll tell you like if it, how many ballparks that w- that home run would have been out of. Yeah, expected home runs. Yeah, expected they, home they, runs. They, yeah. They just meet like yeah. average. Yeah. No. No, I bet a lot of Yankees. There's like, also you can find stats like how many ball how many home runs would that player hit in each ballpark. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, can, like, someone extrapolated that out once for Babe Ruth, you know. Uh, if he played in like MLB standardized parks today, um, the guy the, the guy wrote a whole novel about it, trying to justify that Babe Ruth would hit over a hundred home runs a year if he played in MLB standard par- uh, parks today. Really? Yeah, because there were so many weird parks like the Polo Grounds, where like the center field was four hundred and like eighty or four hundred ninety feet from from home plate. Oh, jeez. But. That's insane. But then, yeah, a lot of ballparks were just massive back then. But or but then some had like really short right field, left field ports. Like the same thing with the uh, with yeah, really long and narrow. Like, and we, short like you and I played the polo grounds in ML, ML, yeah, MLB the show before. So it's funny. so weird because like you hit such easy home runs off to the side. But you hit one dead center that'd be just out in any park in the MLB. But then like, uh, but it'd be caught now. So, um, Aaron Judge. So you can on baseball savant, one of my favorite. Sites. I love advanced stats in baseball. Oh, it's so fun! It's so they're so easy to find. They're so accessible and they're they're, they're digestible. It's great. They have expected home runs by ballpark. Okay. So if judge, so judge right now, so as in the in the Yankee Stadium this year, he's expected to have fourteen runs, mm-hmm. which is the same. It would be the same in Boston, the same in New York. He'd have like one less home run in Tampa. It looks like the place he'd have the least home runs in would be twelve in multiple parks: Arizona, mm-hmm. Texas, yeah, Detroit, the Mets. Cardinals. I see Detroit right there. Oh, that's 13. Never mind. Yeah, 13 in Detroit. The place you would have the most home runs? Yankees. Nope. It's not even in Yankee Stadium. Where is it? Cincinnati, which I've heard is a really good home run name. It is a very good home run name. And Phillies. The Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah, that's another good batter's park. Yeah, I feel... God, I I feel so bad for, for like, Reds fans right now. Oh, the team's so bad. It's so bad. They sell everything they have that's good. Yeah, except Joey Votto. You know, also I really love Tyler Stevenson, their catcher. Yeah, he's a young, upcoming kid. He's a really good ball player, I, and he can. And not only can he hit, he's been fantastic on my fantasy team. I, he plays a very, very strong backstop. I feel so, so bad here. for Joey Votto. Just let him go somewhere. You know what? We still love you, Votto. We, we love you, Joey Votto. Joey Votto and Juan Soto. Please write us letters. Just let us know how you're doing. All right. Do we have any no, other articles we need to go through? Um, nope. I think this is about the time where we let you. Just, just rant on Connor. All right. But before we do that, Aaron Judge, his average actual velocity is the hundred percentile. The man hits the ball harder than anybody. That that is a beast of a human. The the only person who probably hits the hard is Vladdy, right? Uh, I don't think Vladdy hits the ball harder. Really? No. Average actual velocity in the MLB, baseball savant, 
Tell me, 100% off Aaron Judge. God damn. That's top. Yeah, that's number one. Yeah. But highest barrel rate, too. And out, he's the be- He's one of the best right fielders in the league, if not the yeah. best. No one can No one can ever say the Yankees have bad scouts. <laughs> they the know what the fuck cool. they're doing. They've been good. <laughs> They've been consistently, almost consistently great all the time for that reason. You had to have great scouting, yeah. great development. and. How is it that you can be like consistently to. great with only like a few down years for like, what, 100 years? Yeah. No, or no, at this point, yeah, 100 years. Because it is basically 100, just over 100 years at this point since I, Babe Ruth went to the Yankees. Being in the AL East is tough. Okay, I think we can all just accept that and move on. It's okay, so we're... Connor, Connor is ranting before his actual rant. All right, so uh, we left off last time in the John Montgomery Ward story. Uh, right before, uh, he just got back from a barnstorming world tour, and he is about to go... Expand on that barn, barnstorming world tour. Expand on Yeah, I'm going to expand on that today. but uh, And we're going to get to the point where he... Basically, we're going to get to the same point we ended at last time. But I wanted to really expand on this barnstorming world tour he did because it's very um, strange and different. Uh, and pretty racist at times and i think i think it just needs a little expansion because there's a little bit of like a like a reveal at the end all right also i want to start off with this quote by john montgomery ward because i think this is a great way to like sum up a a, a view on sports all right uh quote baseball is not a summer snap but a business in which capital is invested a player is not a sporting man he is hired to do a certain work and do it as well as he possibly can End quote. You know what? And I know it's not. It can't be. But it actually sounds like something that'd be from Moneyball. Yeah. I A hundred percent. Well, no, I think it sounds like something like, um, it, well, a lot of modern players will start saying it as well in the sense of like, you know. Everything's numbers. Yeah. This is like, this is a job, guys. This is like, the owners have, cause uh, when we talk about, um, some, some of our future podcast topics have been decided on, and one of which is uh, Ted Lindsay and the founding of the NHL Players Association. And, um, man, do the play, the owners really, and this isn't just the NHL, but also MLB and all sorts of sports, they really love playing the card like, hey, you guys get to play the best job in the world. You get to play a game for a living. Uh, here, you'll take what, we, what we'll give you uh, without real, but we'll get into, you know, labor theory of value later. And marks. All right. <laughs> so basically, they're they're fantastic players that provide a shit ton of value to their owners. So we're, we're going to start this off as uh, Spalding and the Barnstorming Tour. Uh, so here's a correction from uh, last time. Last time I said the Barnstorming Tour went to uh, like uh, Europe and uh, and South America. I I was right about Europe, but it wasn't South America. It was the South Pacific. They went. Uh, they did not go to South America. They went through the South Pacific to all those islands, and then on that makes their way. Way more sense. Yeah, and then on their way to Australia, and then from Australia to the Middle East, and the Middle East to Europe, and then back to America. Also, they went to the Middle East too, in Australia. They, they went. They, they did baseball yeah. ever been a thing in Australia? Um. Yeah. Like they. Like they're more cricket fans, but like they That's they got right. into it. Like they. Okay. Well, actually, no, they didn't get into it, but um, but uh, it's kind of the point later of this. Uh, all right, so, uh, but the tour was organized by a guy named Albert Spaulding, and Albert Spaulding is uh, uh, most known today uh, as the guy who founded founded uh, Spaulding, like you know, the sport company. Sports company, yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, today they may well actually they were the basketball manufacturer for the uh, NBA until like last year, 
Uh, but the NBA, after 30 years, has moved back to Wilson, uh, being their basketball manufacturer. Uh, so Spalding only does like smaller leagues now, and Spalding used to be the official baseball manufacturer for Major League Baseball until about the 1970s. Um, and Spalding was a businessman and entrepreneur, and he founded all sorts of different sporting uh, uh, companies. I'm uh, like they provide all sorts of different things, like um, like bats and balls and gloves, and then they got into other sports as well. And they even had like a library where they would sell books, uh, like how to become a better athlete and stuff. Um, and he thought it would be a good idea since uh, like his the main thing he really wanted to see was like the British colonies in um, Australasia, so that's New Zealand and Australia today. Australia wasn't really a country back then. It was a bunch of different colonies. Uh, so there was New South Wales and Victoria and South Australia and Western Australia and whatnot. Uh, so he wanted to go see all those colonies down there at, because the British colonists down there had, quote, a racial love for outdoor games. Which What does that even mean? It means, like, Australians, by their very, like, racial nature, love outdoors and outdoor sports. Which, like, again... Might be true, but it's kind of a weird way to say it. It's like one of those like very 1880s, 1890s, old-timey racist ways to say something that's not really even that racist. Like, <laughs> yeah. like you made something that wasn't even Australians that, like... Australians like games outside. Yeah, but you made it, like, kind of weird and racist. And that's kind of, like, how every dude back then made things. They always made things weird and racist back then. Um, so, uh, it was... Uh, so, first, it was... O the only idea was just to go to the South Pacific and Australasia... Um, and also they were going through America as well. They would go to St. Louis and Denver and, uh, Calif they put a bunch of games in California because you gotta remember as well, America is basically like, um, uh, like the, the Western U.S. is kind of like a foreign country in many ways because it's so distant. Um, yeah, uh, it being so distant and whatnot, uh, makes it, like, okay, so, but to put it in the best way is this, uh, there wasn't a baseball team west of Kansas City or no sorry west of St. Louis or or south of Cincinnati until the 1950s all baseball teams were in the Great Lakes and the Northeast before then same thing with hockey be partially because of the distance also partially because like uh, baseball in the south kind of sucks that's why they had to build the Astrodome in Houston because they realized uh, Houston swampy not a great place to play baseball in Super July hot, yeah. yeah um but when they got in California, Ward decided to suggest to all the other players that, we, hey, we should just keep going. Um, like, once we're in Australia, why not stop in Australia and come back to America? Let's just go to, like, the Middle East and Europe. And he part, and then he also talked to his wife about this and was uh, – because his wife didn't come on the tour. Uh, Helen Doveray, we talked about her before. She's the uh, the famous actress of this era, uh, like a New York stage actress. Um, she agreed originally to meet them in Europe. So when he did Europe, the last leg of the tour in Europe, she would meet up with him, do some stuff there, and then come back to America. So uh, they made their way to Hawaii, uh, and they couldn't, um, but they couldn't play in Hawaii when they got there. Why not? Well, uh, they arrived on a Sunday. Oh, okay. And they were only staying on the island for twelve hours. So before they moved on. So. What, did it matter that they arrived on a Sunday? Yeah, yeah, because there's blue laws. So back then you couldn't, you couldn't play, you couldn't open a shop or or play like sports on Sundays. Like Ontario, like where we live in Ontario, used to have these laws until we were born. 
Oh, until like literally ninety four. Like, like, well, it was like the late eighties, early nineties. It got rid of like shopping blue laws in Ontario, like where you could because shops could not open on Sundays until then because of like uh, Honestly, those Sunday laws. Just bring that back. Honestly, it's not the worst idea. Like, before yeah. it was a Christian thing, and that's how they kind of took it down. But, like, now it's just kind of like a labor thing. Like, shouldn't we have, like, one day where, like, everyone rests? Yeah. Sort of thing. Either way, uh, so Hawaii had that going in, in there. Uh, but instead, the king hosted a banquet, which is somehow not against the Sunday Blue Laws. Like, you can't play baseball, but you can't have a massive feast with the king of Hawaii. Yeah. Because because all those people that are help that are like serving you and everything yeah. they don't matter. Because Hawaii is, at this time is not part of America. It's a kingdom. It's an independent kingdom. Okay. Uh, America launched a coup there and later annexed it, which is oh. very unsurprising. In fact, this is one of the first <laughs> times America did it. <laughs> it's not surprising that they did it. It's not surprising that I didn't know about that. Yeah. Um. A bunch of like sugar planters on the island overthrew the king at one. Or actually, when the king died, they overthrew the queen, and then like this is like four years later from this That's time. Awesome. Yeah, and then they became a republic, and then they asked America to annex them. Um, uh, also, because... So it's probably win, win-win. Didn't have to be under royal slavery. Well, yeah, but, like, at the same time, like, you know, like, it's your government. Like, a, a bunch of, like, foreign planters who use most of your population as, like, indentured labor for pineapples, shouldn't they shouldn't be the one running your government. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, but after, so they did 12 hours on the island, then they went, they kept going, they did a mail stop in Pago Pago, uh, and then they, and then their next, like, kind of stop stop was New Zealand, where they spent two days there and they played one game in, like, Auckland. Um... So they went around the world. So Montgomery was really, yeah, they, they did really whole, trying they, to grow the sport. Yeah, they went, yeah, him and, and Spalding had this whole thing, like, let's, let's grow the sport. Um... It's grind. It is a real grind. It didn't, it didn't, where, where did it actually like pick up from that? Do you like, obviously mm-hmm. the South Americas or the South Pacific, South Pacific. Yeah. Like well, yeah, baseball sorry. is relative. They didn't, baseball they, didn't go, is, they didn't go down. They didn't go to the South Americas. No, they didn't go to South oh, America. They went to South Pacific South and Pacific. Australia. And then, okay. uh, um, but they spent, yeah, they spent their time. I guess like, yeah, the South, South Pacific a bit. Right? Yeah, they, they got, they, like, you know, the American, the American influence places in the South Pacific do have like, um, I think I think baseball is popular there as well, um, but yeah, uh, I also like to point out that the author uh, kind of wrote that the, Hawaii was a territory, well, with a king. Like he he kind of confused like the concept that Hawaii was like an independent country at this time. Like because I think Americans in the nineties really had a hard time understanding that Hawaii didn't used to be like part of America. It used <laughs> to be like it's real, and it's not like a country in the sense like okay. Um, like, uh, indigenous nations in North America are uh, call themselves nations, and we have nation-to-nation treaty agreements with them. Um, but it's, but uh, they weren't, say, recognized by, in the same... Like, they, like the, uh, the Comanche did not have, like, ambassadors to Prussia. But, like, Hawaii did. Like, Hawaii was, like, a relatively recognized country in the world. Yeah, uh, well, native Hawaiians don't. So, so did did it really like the game really grow, like take off and grow anywhere after Montgomery Ward and Spalding's tour? No, nowhere, pretty much. It didn't take off anywhere they went, but it was a fun tour. <laughs> um, so they spent a month in Australia. But after uh, the day in Auckland, New Zealand, they went on their way to Australia. So they spent a month in Australia, and they went to kind of like four or five places. Uh, they went to Melbourne. They went to Sydney. Uh, they went to Adelaide, and they went to out to, like, the gold fields, because, like, the gold fields back then were had tons of people out there, uh, all panning for their, their riches. Uh, and uh, the journalist with... Now, the, 
okay, so the tour brought a bunch of journalists along with them, but there was also, like, an independent journalist who was, like, kind of following them along the way from the San Francisco uh, Daily Record. Okay. Uh, or at least that's how the book kind of explained it. Uh, the journalist said that it was a success in Australia because Australia was supposed to be like the big, the, the main portion of this tour, like introducing them to the game. Um, but the San Francisco Daily Record said that the Australians did not like the game and the crowds went from thousands into the hundreds. Oh, like it started in the It started like and big then... and then like they didn't really like it that much. So then it like, like got smaller and smaller crowds as they played like the month, their month in Australia. Uh, dare I ask why they didn't really like it? I don't know. They already have cricket They're, and the Australians are really good at cricket. Did they... Was it anything to do with the pace of the game? Maybe, but the pace, the game was much, much, much different back then. Was it like yeah. was it faster? Uh, it was. It had a lot more fielding. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It was, it was the exact opposite of three true outcome baseball. Like we have today. Where yes, it was the exact opposite of that. Okay. Um. But yeah, the crowds got smaller and smaller, and um, uh, as they're going along their tour, but now we get into like the weird part I want to talk about, which is like the weird racism on the tour. So there's two. So there's two teams on this tour. There is um, Ward's All Americans, which he like is like an all star team that he put together. Okay. And then Albert Spalding brings along the team that he like partially owns, which is today they're the Chicago Cubs. But like back then they were either called the Chicago NL team, the Chicago White Stockings, or the Chicago Colts. They had baseball teams back then had a whole bunch of different names. Okay, cool. So um, uh, we got so we got to talk about uh, uh eight. We gotta talk about Cap Anson, Clarence Duvall, and some racial, uh, racist stuff. Before, how could you operate with multiple different names? Why did? Why would you? Because the club names? was only registered as just like the Chicago Baseball Club or the Boston Baseball Club. Okay, so sort of like foot, like, like literally. How yeah, yeah, like how they were, like how soccer is today. Yeah, how soccer is today. But yeah. we have, um, but uh, they, but nicknames got attached to them, and then that's how we got the nickname tradition in North America. Is because baseball from baseball. Yeah, I grew from baseball. That's cool. Because baseball originally were just like the Chicago team, but they had like yeah. a nickname attached to uh, attached to them. And eventually, some teams like Realized like when the New York the Giants were more popular than the yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and some teams really stuck by their nicknames. Some didn't. Like some took a long time to catch on. Like the Dodgers. The Dodgers were called like a million different names under the sun. It, like the Dodgers really didn't catch on until like the twenties or thirties, even though the team existed for like good 30, 40 years before that. Wow. Um, same thing with like the Braves today. Uh, they it took a while for their name to catch on, and like Chicago here. But um, so Cap Anson is the player manager of um, of uh, Chicago, and he's considered like probably one of the best players in this era. This is Spalding's team. Yeah, this is Spalding's team. Uh, and uh, uh, and he was the player manager, and he was also a stunning racist. <laughs> like, like even for this era, like he like um so. Oh, another name for them was the Orphans as well. They also called the Chicago Orphans. Um, but on this barn, it's kind of a strange name for a team. Like, uh, is, is that supposed to instill fear? I don't know. Are <laughs> orphans scary? But on this barnstorming tour, they had. Uh, well, this is the, I'm, actually. I'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, I should talk about first the fact that. Um, uh, okay, in early baseball, there were a lot. Not a lot, but there were there was a spattering of black players. The color bar had not been instituted in the early days of baseball. Okay. So it was it wasn't segregated like it would become and say until Jackie Robinson. There were there were black baseball players in this era. Okay. But what happened was, um, uh, the beginning of the color bar was partially like some racist owners, but it was also a lot of the racist white players. They didn't want to play with exactly, and they don't want to compete against them, and they see them as a threat. As a threat, yeah. Yeah, who and they refuse to share the field and glory with blacks. Uh, and on, and uh, Cap Anson was one of the ones who really drove this. Like, um, 
uh, forward, like he really would not play with black players on the field. It would throw a hissy fit and say, like, we refused to play. I'm assuming, was he one of the better players? Yeah, he was one of the so better players of his era. sway, too. Yeah, he had some sway. Um, but uh, some of this was happening, like, in, co- in the college days as well. Like, a lot of college teams had uh, had black players, and but uh, and he tried to pull this stuff. Although, he, he wasn't a college player, but um, this happened, like, with other college teams in this time, where other colleges refused to play. And this happened, and this happened consistently throughout segregation, where northern universities would admit black students and let black players play. And then they would play Southern universities or Western universities who had uh, segregation rules. Uh, The South had formal ones and the Western ones had informal ones. Um, And their black players couldn't play? Against the yeah, yeah, like the 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 northern universities, like uh, like like Michigan or Penn State or Ohio State, would uh, usually have to leave their black players home in football and baseball. That's shitty. Yeah. Especially if you're like, if would that would that impact the competitiveness? Because if you're a team very that much so, heavily very on... much so. At one point, at one point, Penn State, like when they're playing football in the forties, eventually just told like uh, told when they're going down south for a bowl game, saying like, we're not going to negotiate this anymore. Our black players are coming, and you will deal with this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like we are, or or we will not come. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Like eventually the schools are gonna start stepping in and being like, "Hey, we're losing games because we can't bring half our team." Yeah. <laughs> Either way, um, what I really want to talk about is on this barnstorming tour. Uh, this doesn't look well on Ward either. This doesn't look well on anyone. Because well, he's associated tour. with it. He's yeah. Right there. Yeah. Um. Uh. They. Uh. They had a. Okay. So the Chicago team had a mascot. But their mascot was like literally like a a, a black man, like just like a very short black man. Okay. Yeah. Who? Okay. So. Which who resembled? Okay, so I'm going to use like here's a warning for anyone who's listening right now. I'm going to use a racist term right now. Uh, not the N word. Um, but uh, Jesus. uh, no, it's it, it, um, it's called pickaninny. It's like a, it's like a racist term for like a small black child used in like uh, especially in slave era. It's a really fucking racist term. Okay. But like basically they had like a pickaninny mascot. Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, so I want to read, like, a passage from the book. Um, I want to I read this whole page just because it's it's something else. So on their way to Sri Lanka, uh, back then they called it Ceylon, uh, today Sri Lanka. This is a British Indian colony. Um, uh, this is what uh, this was going on in the world tour. So things had not changed much by 1888, at least not amongst the men on Spalding's t- world tour. So that sentence is referencing the fact that racism hasn't changed in 1888. Um, the two-week sail to Ceylon was characterized by discomfort and torpor. Ward wrote that there were days when the sun beat down so fiercely upon the deck that the boys lay in their bunks panting like lizards, cursing the weather by every saint in the baseball cal- uh, calendar. Picture Ed Crane as suffered especially and spent the voyage dripping like a sponge, his red, his face as red as a boiled lobster. End quote. Uh, one day, a couple of the of the players noticed a streak of light near the boat, which the captain informed them was a man-eating shark of a sort so vicious that uh, that they had been uh, known to spring on the deck of a steamer and select a victim and make their escape before they could be thwarted. Oh, ending about that right now. Obvious bullshit. <laughs> but, like, these are Americans who had, like, never fucking left Ohio before. They had no idea what the fucking Indian Ocean was like, so they just believed this captain. Well, would better safe than sorry. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go on. Um, the captain then ordered that the sea wolf, which continued to follow the boat, be caught. A heavy line and huge hook was prepared, and a debate of sorts uh, about the appropriate bait broke out, according to Ward. Uh, and then... War, here's a quote from Ward. Anson, 
offered to solve the question by offering Clarence Duvall the, lit the little ebony-hued mascot as a tidbit for the shark. But Clarence made such a strenuous objection that the plan was abandoned. In lieu of the pickaninny, salt pork was fastened on the hook. Later, according to Anson, um, Ward evidently found this part of the story so distasteful he did not record it. Um, but this part comes from Anson later. The men presided over a mock trial at which a jury decided that the chocolate-colored mascot must take a bath. Um, sorry, let, let, let me come. Let me go back here. Chocolate-colored mascot is again in quotes here. The, like, I'm not saying this. The author's <laughs> not saying this. This is what the yes. men are saying. Yes. And must take a bath. And here's another quote: "A matter little coon." End quote would have been difficult to find. So angry was Duval, in fact, that he grabbed a bat and swore to kill his tormentors. Uh, something Anson said he might have done had not a close watch been kept over him until his temper had burned itself out and ha he had become amenable to reason. And so, with much hilarity, the days passed on shipboard. That that last quote is from the author, by the way. With so with much hilarity, the days passed on shipboard. I I think the author is being sarcastic here. This was written in the nineties. I think he has enough self like. Okay. Yeah. I would figure so too. But damn, that's some story. It's just like blatant. It's pretty bad. Dear Lord. Okay. Like they were going to offer a black man as bait to a shark. Yeah, that's crazy. And they had a mock trial about it. Yeah. Where the where I'm assuming the man had to convince Sit through them. that and then he has and then he threatens them with a bat afterwards to yeah. tell them like fuck off. Yeah, leave me alone. I'm not <laughs> yeah, shark not... bait. I'm not shark bait. Yeah. Assholes. And obviously like the captain know and here's the thing that I don't I didn't get clear from the book. Obviously, the captain knows this is bullshit. Like that, there's like the, a man eating sharks gonna hop up on there and get and do. Yeah. And he's doing the hook thing just to fuck with the Americans at this point. Yeah. But like, the Americans didn't know that was bullshit. <laughs> like, like I bet some of them probably thought it was bullshit. I bet Ward thought it was bullshit. Ward was a pretty smart guy. I bet Cap. But I don't know about some of the others. Like a lot of these guys are pretty dumb. <laughs> they might have thought it was some bullshit, but they also did not pass up on the opportunity to torment us. Torment a black man. That's true. Fuck. Like, <laughs> right? Regardless if they believed it or not. Yeah. All right. like, who, who, I mean, we're talking 140 years ago, but who would believe that? Like, <laughs> a lot really... of people back then. Like, people were dumb. <laughs> okay. People were real dumb back then, especially if you didn't, like, what, the overwhelming thing, the overwhelming theme of this barnstorming world tour is Americans going overseas having no idea what the fuck the world is like and thinking that the world is America. Like, like Americans have some of that today and we make fun of them for it, but, you know, like, Americans compare, Americans of today compared to, like, like the most is... backwards of Americans today compared to, like, some of the most advanced Americans of this era look like fucking cosmopolitan. But this is, so this is 1880. This is 1888, the winter of 1888 going to 1889. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but, like, a lot of Americans at this point a lot of them were immigrants, were they not? Some, but this is like the Amer. This is like most of the immigrants in this era were like Irish and English and German. It's only like at this time, like swarms of like Italians and Jews are coming to America, and like American and Russians and Americans are freaking out about Italians and Jews and Russians and don't consider them white in this era. Yes, yes, but yeah. Like not, the, yeah. so, you gotta remember, like this is a really fucked up era. Okay. Uh, all right, so. Uh, Getting into the second leg of the tour now. So they're on their way to Sri Lanka. Um, so that uh, 
And again, going on to the Americans of 1888, they were like one thing the author really wanted to point out was the Americans were really weirded out in Sri Lanka by like the culture of India. Okay, yeah. Like, it, like and the subcontinent. Cause, so sorry, Sri Lanka is not part of India, but Sri Lanka was part of the Greater British Raj back then. Um, and here's an exact. Here's a quote from uh, uh, from Spalding. Uh, when they were in Sri Lanka, how there were hundreds of howling, chattering, grotesquely arranged natives. I have to really save some. I really save some of the choice ones in here, but there was there was a lot more quotes in this uh, that I was finding not in the main, not just in the book I quoted, but also in like other books I found on this. There's a re- lot of really choice quotes in this it's, era. It's just so fascinating and so it's kind of gross how people would refer to the other. Yeah. Right. Like. So after, to, to, it's like almost it's like dehumanizing almost. Yeah, no, they, 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 right, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely dehumanizing. dehumanizing. These people, yeah. the people of this era, did not view these as like their fellow human beings. They saw them as like a different like species. Um, all right, so after uh, uh, so after Ceylon and, and uh, sorry Sri Lanka, uh, they they sailed on uh, to Egypt through the Suez Canal. Uh, so after some more racist incidents involving their mascot, uh, like they, they, they there was an incident where they they put Clarence up on a ship and then dressed him up as a gorilla to like pretend he was a gorilla like an oversized gorilla to the uh to the native egyptians on the dock clarence is the is the mascot, mascot. yeah so he, we're, we're still we're still on the mascot who's he, being just absolutely tormented on this trip yes yeah he so he's being tormented in egypt as well uh, uh so uh, uh the, so the team then uh plays a game in egypt uh actually under the pyramids that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. That's one cool thing about this trip. That's like super playing cool. baseball under I'd like to play baseball under the pyramids one day. Yeah. I would not do anything else these people do on this trip, but I would definitely <laughs> like to play baseball under the pyramids. Um they did kept commenting on how okay, so back in this era, like we've talked about this whole before, how like base like the difference between the dead ball era, which is before the nineteen twenties, and the dead and the live ball wear era, which is the nineteen twenties till now, like how the ball has to be replaced and how they could basically mess up the ball back then, right? Yeah. Okay, so um, uh, one thing people back, would put tax into the ball. Yeah, it's absolutely. But, but also, if the ball went into the crowd, like a usher would come and get the ball <laughs> so from the, the fans. So the pitcher could keep using the, the ball that he has exactly. so scuffed up. And that's how, like you know, like in, ba- in basketball, they do that today. You can't keep a basketball that goes into the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, same thing in football, I think. I don't think. No, I think the they football, can keep footballs. Because didn't didn't uh, Brady's touchdown certain touchdown pass? Didn't they have to pay? Yeah, you're right. You're right. They did. They did. You're right. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, in basketball you can't keep the ball. I'm pretty sure in soccer you can't keep the ball. In hockey you can keep a puck. Hockey you can keep a puck. Yeah, but um, in baseball they came and got the ball, but there's apparently a problem because apparently the locals kept on trying to keep the ball. Yeah, of course. And they were, you, they probably wanted to play with too. There's lots of like weirdly ball to them. There's weirdly there's also weirdly unnecessarily racist quotes about how like uh, they were fascinated by the ball and would like and would like examine it and whatnot. It, it, very weird stuff. Like they were like 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 first like just coming out first yeah. time humans just discovering fire basically and uh ward <laughs> now ward didn't write much on egypt but he did write like at the time but he did write later nostalgically about it about how they had pl- played in the shadow of the pyramids and he he had um uh and it, how it was the very plain that napoleon had fallen on 90 years earlier and the battle of the pyramids and he would quoted napoleon's quote when he fought at the battle of the pyramids which is that 40 centuries looked down upon them which is one of, it's one of napoleon's coolest quotes but it does miss the mark where it's like 
everyone always thinks like you see the paintings of Napoleon at the Battle of the Pyramids, and you think he literally fought like under the pyramids, and that's kind of where that's where they played the uh, the baseball game. But um, no, they didn't play under uh, the battle itself was actually quite a bit away from the pyramids. You can only see them off in the distance. Yeah, but it sounds cooler. It does sound way cooler. It does. Um, it's marketing, Connor. It's marketing. It Napoleon is. Napoleon was a was a good marketer. Honestly, like he really was. Yeah, he really was. Um, but one. But also another thing in Egypt, like uh, there's some cool pictures in the book I have of like all these American baseball players in their old timey dress, like sitting, like they all climbed on top of the Sphinx. There's a big like group photo of them sitting on top of the Sphinx. It's, it's very cool. I, maybe I'll include it in the show notes. Um, but Spalding wrote later that he concluded that Egypt would not be a good market for baseball because they were so fascinated by the ball. I don't know what it was, but he said, like, <laughs> he said they were, it was, he, he basically, I basically, basically I think he had some sort of racist idea that, you know, Egypt's probably not, wasn't going to be rich enough to buy his products. Because Egypt was a colonial possession at its time. Uh, all right, so, um, uh, and Ward was already starting to get into a, Ward was starting to get into a bad mood at this point in the trip. Like, he, like, tempers were starting to flare. Um, uh, there's a combination of long t- travel and, uh, and tempers were fraying between everyone. And I'm going to talk about, like, the main temper that's fraying. That's kind of, like, the big reveal at the end of this. Um, but he, uh, and also he just found out that uh, his wife was bailing on him and not coming to Europe for the second leg of the trip. Oof, so this guy's in a bad mood. He's, yeah, he's in a pretty bad mood. Has to hang around with a bunch of racists all day, and now he doesn't get to see his wife. I know, right? Well, he was kind of racist himself. Like, you know, as Fair. much as we love this guy for everything he did for baseball and, like, being a smart guy and pretty progressive for his era, um, and even though he was actually in, uh, I think he was supportive of black players playing in baseball as well, he still is, like, a white American dude in the 1890s. Even the best of them were pretty racist by our standards. Um, alright, so, uh, now, where they next went was, uh, they ended up in Italy next, after Egypt. Uh, Ward called it the land of macaroni. <laughs> Ward doesn't like Italy very much, and, uh, he, he describes it pretty badly and finds it pretty unimpressive. Which I, I, I find it a little insulting, but, oh well. Um, so, uh, the tour nearly broke down, though, in, in Napoli, so, uh, he, um, so... They were playing a seven-inning game. They're in the fifth inning of it, and Cap Anson over over there on um, I'm just going to call them the Cubs, uh, even though they they have a bunch of different names. I'm just going to call them the Cubs for like sake of ease because that's what they are today. Uh, he throws like a hissy fit, which he's really known for. Like he was a player manager, but he was also known for just like he's kind of like the godfather to all those managers who go a little bit too overboard with the umps today. The best managers. Yeah. Except, <laughs> and uh, so the, apparently. Okay, so a, a boy got knocked out. A boy in the crowd got knocked out with a foul ball. Okay. So a bunch of the crowd comes onto the field. So then Cap Anson tries throwing a hissy fit, saying the game can't be played anymore and it should be and it should be uh, nulled. Like you know, because like no score, no result. Were they losing at the time? Yes, he was down eight two. Okay. Yeah, he was losing. Uh, yeah. So and basically, uh, there was all. And uh, so that was the first game in Napoli, which didn't go well. They also, uh, <laughs> the fucking arrogance of, of, of these guys. They were deeply insulted that the Italian authorities refused to let them play a game in Rome at the Colosseum. 
fuck culture and heritage. Yeah, which is like this is the point where the author even in the book in one of the books I was reading like had to step in and say like, man, Americans were ignorant, like not understanding like a the, the it's like an archaeological dig where they're like trying to move, remove stuff and restore stuff mm. and like because in this era they weren't trying to preserve the Colosseum as it was they were trying to more like. Um, Learn, restore it and stuff like that but they it, but they also yeah. dug it out at this point and mm. so basically there was a foundation underneath there was no plain surface on it <laughs> and like also adding to like this is the point where like this is really the point where they're also too i'm saying like the, the main ignorance is like the coliseum is not like nearly close to a baseball dimension <laughs> it was a stadium for like gladiatorial battles yeah it can, you're, it's not, you're just gonna force a baseball game into this area. That's not gonna be this, big enough for yeah. it. Yeah. So they they put them let them play in the play in the Piazza di Siena, which is in the uh, the Villa Borghese in, in Rome. The Villa Borghese like this big big garden complex owned by uh, the Borghese family, which is a big noble family in Rome. We're going to talk about the Borghese's a little in the future, not directly, but they're gonna pop up actually quite a bit in some of our topics weirdly they're a weird fascist family in italy um uh they still do show jumping on the on uh in the piazza di siena today what's show jumping you know where they do like horse jumping oh okay okay yeah yeah so they still do that in like these big gardens they have uh and that's where they play the baseball game um but the americans really thought it was an insult like that they couldn't play play in the coliseum yeah um, and then after their final game in Florence, the team sets off for France. And, um, surprise, surprise, do you, do you think the French liked baseball? No. You'd be right. They weren't big fans of baseball. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think that tracks pretty well with what we know about France as a country, as a people. It just doesn't seem like a baseball kind of country. Is it because baseball's um, super English? I think it's cause, not only because it's like comes from English sports, but it's also like I don't know. It, it just doesn't fit. You just don't think France and baseball, or even cricket, or anything like that. They, they I think they like more movement. Um, but but Spalding was uh, when they played uh, in Paris uh, in Nice and whatnot. Well, Spalding was disgusted by the French indifference to the game. Uh, and the New York Herald uh, reflected uh, Spalding's indifference. Uh, and here's a quote from the New York Herald. Uh, the, F- the Frenchman is as unlikely as the Italian to become interested in baseball. He is too impatient and impulsive to ever undertake the study of the game that is necessary. End quote. So, like, like the, basically the Americans he, believe, like, Italians and, and French are just, like, too fiery a races and too impatient to ever learn, like, a slow but... Uh, but gentlemanly and intelligent game like baseball they're, they're is what just, they're They're just taking it too personal. I think that's the problem. They are taking it very personally <laughs> that these French and Italians don't like baseball. Um, they love it. Like, but I would argue, like, I, I would argue, Nolan, like, have you ever heard of a man named uh, uh, Joe DiMaggio? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think Italians might like uh, baseball. And once once they get to America, they, they, they well, like yeah. it. If you're if you're that good at a sport, yeah, I don't think it's like an ingrained racial thing in Italians that they about baseball. Yeah, it's just maybe the French, but you know, hey, Tre- <laughs> Tre- hey Trevor Plouffe, that's the French name. Yeah, yeah, it's a great, great podcast. Yeah, it is. Um, shout out! I love, to I love, I love talking baseball. All right. Um, so when they they only played in Paris uh, when they were in France, though they wanted to play in Nice as well, but uh, the Nice officials. Um, uh, they basically said, no, you're not playing. We don't want you to play here. 
Also, uh, maybe this is also to Italian indifference because Nice at this time was still like okay, complicated side point. Uh, nice was part of like Italy, sort of, but well, Sardinia, Piedmont, which is like what united Italy, but then they gave Nice and some other bits over to France as payment for France to help them kick the Austrians' ass to unite Italy. You lost me. Yeah, sorry about <laughs> that. But basically, thinking this era, Nice was kind of an Italian city. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. Uh, but the um, uh, the the Paris game was well attended, but it was only attended by basically um, like Americans, like American diplomats and American mm-hmm. like expats in Paris at the time, uh, curious onlookers and like uh, workmen who were working on the Eiffel Tower at the time nearby, who were like building the Eiffel Tower as like their time off, like <laughs> at lunch. So it, it, they they really weren't getting new fans. Um, so that seems like the status quo for this journey. Yeah. And uh, the last stop of their, their world tour was England. Uh, and this was much better, as there were crowds in the thousands in England, like 8,000 people. Okay. Yeah, and, like, the Prince of Wales came to watch to, like, the, the future heir to the King of England. Uh, well, he, he later did become King of England, mm-hmm. uh, uh, King Edward the Seventh, Six. King Edward Six. Or seventh, eighth. I'm I I can't keep him straight. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, but he was an Eddie from 1901 to 1910. But uh, he's and he was the Prince of Wales at the time, and he came to watch because he liked sports and whatnot. And there were banquets all over England and gal and galas, and they were in the newspaper. They went to Bur- they went to London, they went to Birmingham, Sheffield, uh, Bradford, Bristol, uh, Glasgow, Manchester, and Liverpool. Um, and they played both baseball and cricket. They played cricket? Yeah, they played some cricket when they were there as well. Did the baseball players understand cricket well? It was close. The sports were, like, relatively... They were different, but, like, the, the skills needed for the two sports were translatable enough at the time. Does that okay. make sense? Like, yeah, the two so sports were dip- the radically different at the yeah. time, but the way the two sports were played were, like, similar enough that the, the skills transfer over. But the, the sports, I would say, now have diverged enough that the skills don't transfer as much now. Yeah, it'd be hard to imagine because bowling they bo- and pitching. Like, yeah, and bowling and pitching is the big one, but also batting because like bat- the batting rules are different. But in this era, they were still close you enough. Still have, they, like the eye, yeah. the eye, the hand eye, and the reaction time and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, but they, but there were also like the newspapers in England, uh, like ran full page articles on them and their tour with fo- and and photos of them like when they're in the Coliseum and at the Sphinx and all the places they've been in uh, in Europe. Um. So it kind of ended with a nice bang. Well, not really. Uh, okay. Oh, sorry. The last city they went to was Dublin. They went to Ireland Twist. as well. But Ireland was also kind of part of Britain at this time. So, like, yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not getting into those waters. Um, <laughs> but uh, but here's here's the bombshell at the end of this. Ward left Amer- uh, for America uh, when they went to England. And he went back to America, like, a few weeks early uh, for a couple reasons. One. So he, is, he wasn't at the last games. No, he was not in England. Okay. He, he wasn't playing cricket there. Okay. And this is where we get to from the la- in the last podcast. Remember I told you, like, Ward abandoned the tour early? So this is him abandoning to come back because the players were, were fucking around? Well, um, and remember I said Spalding was also an owner? Yes. Okay. So, yeah. oh. so here's the big reveal. Plot twist. <laughs> yeah. So Ward re- returns home for two main reasons. So one, uh, his marriage is kind of on the rocks right now. Uh, with Helen not coming to Europe, because Helen was already like their marriage was not was like iffy when he left, and he and, and he's on the road all the time. Yeah, exactly. And now and now like she didn't come visit him in Europe, so he's like, "Fuck, I, I just gotta go see my wife at this point." Um, 
and uh, she doesn't, and uh, so she doesn't meet them in Europe. But the owners are being treacherous again. So remember how I said they were traveling across America and then to New Zealand and Australia and whatnot. Yes. So only four days after they left San Francisco, the owners had a meeting. Yes. Now, because now they're on the boat where they can't. Where they, yeah, 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 and the owners passed the new, remember that new pay plan I mentioned last time where like the yes. where they they're gonna grade all the players in five different classes and that's how they're gonna pay them. Yeah, um, and how this also went against every deal they had made with the players union at this point. This is the brotherhood uh, that Ward had organized because they made gentlemen's agreements at this point that they won't do new like contract negotiation shit without like at least talk having pro forma talks with the with the with uh with the brotherhood. Yes. Uh, the, the Brotherhood of, uh, of Professional Baseball Players is what I'm mentioning. We're just going to call yeah. it the Brotherhood a lot during this podcast. Basically the, the union at this um, point, right? So Ward probably found out when he got to Australia. Probably in Sydney. So a little, so maybe a month a bit after, because it's a long time to get across the Pacific. Um, and turns out, it's not only Spalding probably knew about this, probably Spalding, Spalding organized this entire thing. Just to get John Montgomery Ward away. Yeah, like there's dual purposes to this whole. <laughs> turns out there's a dual purpose to this whole barnstorming trip. Partially it was to like promote baseball, but partially it was get Ward the fuck out of America. And not only that, but probably some guys he's close to as well. Yeah, a lot. Because a lot. Of, yeah, a lot of the best players were. Team. A lot of the best players were. Um, uh, were brotherhood players. Yes, close to Ward because they're the ones on, with all the power and, and the on, voice. on his like all star team that he put together. Um, uh, and uh. For, and the own yeah, because the owners would never because Spalding really was like you know how like there's more important owners in in uh, in every league like some league, like, like Jerry Jones has a lot more influence yes, in the NFL yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Spalding was kind of like that he had a lot more influence over uh, compared to the other owners and they would have never done this plan without his explicit pr- pr- approval and probably planning and um, we have a quote from uh, Fred Dandelion uh, Pfeiffer what a what a great nickname yeah, that's by the an way amazing name. In uh, claimed that Spalding even admitted this to him, because oh, wow. because Pfeiffer was a picture for the Cubs, but he was also a union member. He was a member of the Brotherhood, so um, Ward initially stayed on the tour because of two reasons. One, uh, like one of Ward's uh, fellow Brotherhood players, like one of his top players that he had chosen to come on the tour with mm-hmm. him, uh, was a player from Boston, and that Boston player pulled out at the last minute, and he was like vilified in every paper because this tour is like. It's huge news back in America. It's massive. It's like the biggest news over We're the bringing world. Bringing our sport and our culture to the rest of the world. Exactly, it's one of the biggest news uh, uh, like news items over that winter. Is this world tour? Uh, so Sp- and Spalding also tried to stay on the tour because remember Spalding is like he liked the Brotherhood and all this kind of stuff because he thought baseball should just be a professional thing. But he was not like an outright socialist. He believed in like he was a businessman. He thought he could come to like some sort of like gentleman to gentleman's agreement with uh with Spalding on the tour. Yeah. Um and it would have just and it would have killed so not only would have killed his own popularity, but he thought he could get Spalding on board. But by by about Europe he knew he figured out Spalding was, was not, not gonna budge because he was probably the mastermind man yeah. the plan. Yeah. So and and since this went against multiple gentlemen's agreements he had with the league, like, like it was uh, this is kind of starting a baseball war at mm-hmm. this point. Yeah. So at this point, what happens is uh, the team meets back up in America, in um, Montgomery's team. Yeah, Montgomery's team and the Cubs. They all come back to America. Okay. They come back about two, three weeks after. Um, 
uh, after Ward had got there. Because Ward is trying to get A fixes America, and B kind of gets things set up uh, for, like, he's trying to figure out what the fuck the owners are doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, they, now when the players get there, it's huge news. They have banquets and gals all across America, and they play even more barnstorming games in the eastern U.S. just to finish it off. Uh, so the tour's not even over when they get home. They keep doing more. Uh, but at this point, this is where we kind of got to at the end of the last podcast, where uh, Ward is mad, and they're kind of in negotiations, but it looks like... But because they've been on this barnstorming world tour, they're probably going to be playing this current upcoming season. That's why we said last time Ward agreed to play the, the 1889 season, mm-hmm. and the Brotherhood agreed, because, you know, this kind of all sprung on them. They've all been on tour, and now the season's just about to start, or what, are we going to cancel the season right when we all got back home yeah. and all that? Um, so at this point, the, uh, but a, a baseball war is starting and the, and the beginning, and I think we'll get through hopefully most of the war in our next episode. Yes. But, um, also I'd like to point out like war, how many games Ward played that year in 1888, uh, in 1889. So including the barnstorming. Including the barnstorming. Like from the, when he got back home to America over the previous 365 days, he had just played 280 baseball games. And traveled around the world. Yes. That's crazy. And he's trying to put together, like, and he's trying to manage basically a players' union. Yes. And he's, and he's, got, and he's got, like, a marriage to a very famous woman who. Uh, he taught himself how to throw with the other arm. He can do anything. He can do anything. But damn, he's got, like, some big challenges. So ahead. next week, is this where we're going to start getting into the players' league? The players' league. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah, I just wanted to really expand on this tour because. It's a, I, I love these kind of like late 19th century, like uh, around the world in 80 days type shit, mm-hmm. uh, where you're traveling on steamships and visiting all these like weird and exotic places, especially for this era. But like, damn, is this like a, it was extra layers of weird. And it was also a good way to highlight how fucking racist this era of America was. <laughs> like, holy shit. Like, some, like, offering a man a shark bait was really something else yeah, I think that's just you took it just took it too far there he really did <laughs> he really did alright uh, that, well, was, that was really good Connor thanks I'll, uh, I'll say goodbye to all of you now have a good have a good uh, week or two hopefully we get this out next week or two I need to do some more reading but yeah see you then also uh, just to let you guys know um like here's some future podcast topics if you guys are interested. Uh, Ted Lindsay is definitely coming up. Uh, that one I'm extremely excited for. That one's going to be great. Uh, our next podcast topic is most likely uh, Silvio Berlusconi, the Italian prime minister who also owned AC Milan and every TV station in the Well, let's, let's get our way. Let's make our way through baseball. And, and the then we'll get to soccer. And then we'll get to soccer. All right. Bye, folks. Bye.